Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the podcast. It's episode five, and today we're talking about food. People love to talk about food. I get questions all the time, like, what is the best food to eat for this? Is this okay? Is this allowed? Is this not allowed? Like, what kind of foods are going to make me feel more energized? What foods are slowing me down? I get questions like this all the time, and you're right. Food is really important. And while we spent, you know, the last couple episodes really talking about sleep and how important it is, nutrition is also important because if you follow everything that we set up in the first couple episodes on sleep and you're still finding that your energy is all over the place and you're having headaches and you're having brain fog, nutrition might be the reason why. I find so many people underestimate how important Nutrition is in how you feel every single day and that the things that we were taught are healthy foods are not as healthy as we think they are. Even if we look at the food pyramid, it's completely upside down and we are sold the idea that healthy whole grains are the way to go and drink as much milk as you can. It creates strong bones. There are all of these, I guess, decisions that have been made for us on what is healthy to eat without actually taking into account what feels good in our bodies. I mean, personally, if I'd have followed the general recommendations on how to eat, I'd be bloated all of the time because the foods that my body is sensitive to seem to be on the list of healthy foods to eat. Um, For the most part, when I eat broccoli or quinoa, my stomach gets this odd hollow feeling. Like it almost feels like it hurts mixed with hungry. And that's not how we want to be feeling after a meal. And broccoli and quinoa are some of those foods that we look at as healthy options. So without actually taking the initiative to get to know our body and what foods work for us, we might go on experiencing brain fog and not realizing it has everything to do with what we're putting in our mouth. So I want to tell you specifically about how much food made a difference for a client that I have been working with recently. So this is a client who came to me and presented with chronic headaches, waking up all day long, low-level headaches, having to take Advil at least two or three times a week in order to help with these headaches. And on top of that, she was experiencing a lot of bloating and a lot of gas and had never really taken a look at exactly what was causing it. But the problem was it created such a fatigue at the end of the day and it had created so much brain fog that it was preventing her from putting in the time that she needed to take meaningful action in her business and to actually work on it not just in it and the whole day she would spend the whole day servicing her clients and meeting with customers all day long that by the time she got home and needed to work on the growth side of her business she was completely wiped out and it was just not serving her well so when I met her she was rushing between clients and eating on the go and you might be this in this situation too. And a lot of it looked out, you know, like takeout foods and fast foods and fried foods and easy things to grab. When we're in a rush, there's very little that you can eat that is healthy. So we really needed to strategize. Um, and she knew that she felt bad, but didn't quite know how bad she was feeling. And it's super interesting when you're in that place where you're feeling just an overall sense of lethargy and lousy from food. 
you don't really know how bad you're feeling until you take a step out of it and start feeling better. And then you're like, oh my gosh, was I always feeling that bad? And the truth is yes, but most of us don't don't ever take that step to find out what our bodies are supposed to feel like. So for her, the biggest complaint was she would wake up so tired, even though she was sleeping most of the night. And at the end of the day, She'd try to work on her business, but for the most part, she'd just end up vegging out on the couch and not be able to get in the admin work that was going to grow her business and to reach out to future clients and to put together things that were going to enhance the results she was getting for her current clients. So when we started, my goal was just to deal with the amount of inflammation that was obviously in her body with, you know, bloating and gas and headaches and fatigue and brain fog. Those are such big red flags that you need to pay attention to, that there is massive inflammation going on in your body that you need to deal with if you don't want to feel like this for the rest of her life. And I told her, I said, you know what? In one month from now, you are barely going to recognize how you feel. And I remember she looked at me and I was like, just trust me. And it's so fascinating. After just the first month, headaches are a thing of the past. Gas is almost under control. Bloating is way down. I mean, she says to me, like, I feel light. Like, that is such an unusual feeling for her. And it was so neat. Like, just imagine living with headaches every single day and being able to take a step out of that. What that alone would do for the quality of your life, right? So just this alone isn't one example of how food can really transform your ability to feel good. So inflammation and poor diet, we've talked about this before, they directly lead to brain fog. So just as a quick recap on what brain fog is, it's fatigue, cloudy thinking, uh, inability to feel clear, to make strong decisions. It kind of just feels like you're staring at your screen and nothing's really coming up. You feel clunky and slow. That's what brain fog is. It's foggy, mucky, clunky, thinking. And that is honestly, nobody wants to feel like that. Never mind if you're trying to run a business where you're trying to come up with solutions to problems and inspire people. And it's because of all the inflammation that we experience due to our crappy diets. So inflammation specifically, we've all heard that word before, but we most likely hear it when, you know, we sprain our ankle and we get inflammation. We know into intuitively what it is, but not how it affects us with food. So we experience inflammation when our body's responding to damage to our cells. And it also includes a, an immune system response. And, you know, certain particles and molecules are released to help fight off the damage that was done. And it includes things like redness and heat and swelling. And then the cells that were damaged, they don't function properly. Our, our blood vessels become enlarged. All of this happens the same way when we sprain our ankle, it actually happens to our digestive system when we eat foods that our bodies don't love. So when we're talking about inflammation specifically in our bodies causing brain fog, it's caused by three main things that I like to start at and kind of diagnose what is the culprit of what's going on here. It comes down to usually chronic stress, meaning you just cannot get out of that fight or flight mode. You're just always worrying about everything. Everything seems to be too much and overwhelming. That's one. The second thing that can cause it is lack of quality sleep. And so hopefully you've been able to address some of your sleep um, struggles in the first couple episodes uh, that we have shared on this podcast. But the third one is poor nutrition. And that's what we're going to be addressing today. We're going to be talking about three things that you might be doing wrong with your food that is causing inflammation. 
So let's jump into the first one. And I am going to say that after I explain these concepts, I'm going to provide something actionable that you can take away right now and start doing because that's the whole point of this podcast is I want to be giving you things that are going to make your life better. So the first food thing that we're going to be talking about today that causes inflammation is a concept called glycemic variability. Glycemic variability. So the word glycemic has to do with glucose. It's to do with your blood sugar. Variability means fluctuations, you know, up and down. So when you're looking at glycemic variability, one of the things that can cause inflammation is fluctuating glucose levels, meaning your blood sugar goes up, your blood sugar goes down, your blood sugar goes up, your blood sugar goes down. That is glycemic variability. And the more of it you have, the more inflammation you experience. So to help put this into a bit of a context, I'm going to introduce you, or perhaps you've heard of it before, to a hormone called insulin. So most of us have actually heard of insulin, but we hear of it in context with diabetes, meaning like uh, either people with type 1 diabetes don't produce insulin or people with type 2 diabetes need to take insulin, but we all have insulin in our body. And it is a hormone that increases or rises when blood sugar goes up. So if we eat food, blood sugar goes up, insulin goes up because insulin's job is to take all of the blood sugar that is not immediately used and to store it. And it stores it in three main places. It stores it in muscle, it stores it in your liver, and it stores any extra leftover in fat. So insulin's job is to bring down blood sugar after it spikes up after eating. So when you eat something that causes a massive rise in blood sugar, you have a rise in glycemic variability and your insulin goes up as well. So high sugar or high glucose fluctuations can actually cause chronic neuroinflammation. Neuro meaning brain cells. So this is something we really want to watch for. If it's causing, if this constant rise and fall of blood sugar is causing inflammation in our brain, which is directly leading to brain fog, this is something we want to be aware of. So our goal is going to be to eat foods that keep our blood sugar as stable as possible. Because the other thing that actually happens when we have constantly fluctuating glucose levels is it can cause something called hyperinsulinemia, which basically is a fancy word for it can cause high insulin levels. Remember, insulin is responsible for taking the blood sugar out of our blood and putting it in muscle, liver, and fat. So if you think about this, follow me with this on this. If you eat a meal which causes a massive increase in blood sugar, it causes a massive release in the hormone insulin because insulin's job is to take the sugar out of the blood and put it somewhere else because high levels of blood sugar can actually be quite toxic to us. So blood sugar goes up, insulin goes up. Insulin's job is to pull all the sugar out of the blood. So essentially what happens is you have a big drop in blood sugar. So low blood sugar or shortage of blood sugar available to the brain can cause something called neuroglycopenia. And this affects how the brain cells are able to function because our brain cells run on glucose. We need glucose in order for our brain to function effectively. So if we are doing this massive insulin roller coaster ride where we eat a bunch of sugar, insulin comes up and you're at the peak of the roller coaster and then all of a sudden we pull all the sugar out and all the insulin out, we get a massive drop and our brains experience this lack of food, which creates an energy crash. It creates foggy thinking and it affects how our cells are able to function. So if we're talking about keeping blood sugar stable, I want you to hear me. This does not mean eat no glucose or nothing that affects your blood sugar. That's not what I mean, because your brain needs 
glucose. What we want to communicate on this is it means that you need to eat foods that have a smaller effect on your glycemic variability or a smaller effect on the fluctuation your body experiences of blood sugar. So on next week's podcast, we are going to go into a heck of a lot more detail on this, but here is something you can do right now to help manage your glycemic variability and keep your blood sugar stable. Certain foods affect the rate of blood sugar fluctuation much less than other foods. And those are the foods we want to eat most often. So fats affect your blood sugar the least. Proteins have a moderate effect and veggies. So fats and proteins are two of the macronutrients and carbohydrates are the third. So vegetables actually fall into the carbohydrate category and carbohydrates are the thing that stimulates blood sugar to go up the most. So what we want to do is not cut out carbohydrates because carbohydrates absolutely have a purpose, but we want to eat the carbohydrates most often that cause the lowest blood sugar rise. So like I said, fats have minimal effect on that rise in insulin and rise in blood sugar. Protein has a minimal to moderate effect. Then we get into the carbohydrate category. So I'm going to then share with you in the carbohydrate category, which foods affect blood sugar the least and which affect it the most. So vegetables affect it the least. So I always love to say they have so much, so many nutrients and bang for your buck in eating vegetables. Have at it. Eat unlimited vegetables. Following that, you're looking at things like sweet potatoes and yams. They start to have rises in blood sugar, but because of some of the properties in them, they actually have a slower release so that you're not experiencing such a large spike in blood sugar. So we have veggies and then sweet potatoes and yams. Following that, the next category is fruit, beans, and rice. They tend to have a bit wider of an effect on your blood sugar, and you can definitely see a rise here, although I still do choose foods from these categories. I just make sure I'm selective with what times. The foods that will increase your blood sugar the most and cause wild swings in glycemic variability and cause you to rise all the way up on that blood sugar insulin roller coaster and then have a massive crash down leading to foggy thinking, brain fog, lack of energy, crashing during the day are flour and sugar. And this has a lot to do with their processing and how our body responds to them. So in summary, when you're looking at your meals, you really want to make sure, do I have plenty of healthy fats? Do I have some protein source? Do I have plenty of vegetables? And do I have minimal of the foods that cause massive swings? So things like flour and sugar, We want to almost keep those out completely. And then we're looking at things like including sweet potatoes, yams, and then minimal amounts of fruit, beans, and rice. So that is what you can do right now to help manage your blood sugar and your glycemic variability to reduce inflammation. The second thing we want to look at when we are talking about inflammation and food is rancid or highly processed oils. Most of us have been guilty at this. And I guarantee you, if you walk over to your fridge right now, you could probably find five things that are violating this uh, guideline that I'm going to be giving you. But once you know and you're aware, it's really easy to start making healthy changes. So I want you to think of an avocado or even like an olive, right? They're oily. They have a, um, yeah, an oiliness to them. So when you go to get oil out of something like that to make like avocado oil or extra virgin olive oil, it's very easy to extract the oil. Now I want you to think of a corn kernel or a seed, 
Like they are not inherently oily. So what ends up happening is we need these powerful chemical solvents, some that are even found in cleaning supplies to actually help extract the oil and make things like vegetable oil or canola oil. So when you have these oils that need these chemical solvents to actually extract the food, they're just full of garbage. And on top of that, they are highly unstable because of having to have that chemical solvent extract them. So it doesn't hold up when put under high heat or high pressure and they don't hold up. So what happens is when you go to cook these oils that come from things like corn or seeds, when you do any type of processing or cooking, they become damaged. And what happens is it actually changes the natural structure of the oil. Now think about this. Our cell membranes on every cell in our body are made of fat. Our brain cells are made of fat. All of our cells contain fat in the lining. It's incorporated into the walls of the cells of our brains. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the walls of the cells that are, you know, in my intestines and in my brain. I want them to have integrity. I want them to be well-structured and take care of me because these are the cells that decide what is allowed in and what is allowed out of the cells. This is called the cell permeability. So they get to decide what food or what toxins or whatever is floating around in your blood gets into your cells and out. And this also relates to your brain. It depends on the quality of the fats used in these protective walls. So if you are eating damaged fats that are found in anything fried or most packaged foods, those unstable damaged fats are being incorporated into the walls of your brain and they are not functioning effectively. And this is how we create inflammation. And uh, this kind of thing allows things that shouldn't be getting into our brain cells, into our brain cells, and it really disrupts the functioning of our brain. So I'm going to give you a list of oils that are highly inflammatory and would be great for you to knock out of your diet ASAP. So these include vegetable oil, canola oil, soybean oil, maize or corn oil, sunflower oil, safflower oil, trans fats, or even fish oils. You know, your omega-3s that are exposed to too much light or too much heat. The problem with these is they have a low smoke point. What this refers to is the temperature at which the oil starts to break down or denature. So it means you don't have to heat it up very much for it to start breaking down. And that's a problem because if you think about the temperatures we cook at, if you're cooking with canola oil and it breaks down at a low temperature, you've already passed that and you're going to have those crappy oils in your food and they're going to be incorporated into your body. It's about what you eat. You are what you eat, literally. So instead, cook with avocado oil. It has one of the highest smoke points, meaning it does not start to break down into nature until 520 degrees Fahrenheit. You can cook pretty much any style you want, and avocado oil will keep its structure. Other really good options include butter or ghee, or coconut oil is a really good one I use. So there's a lot of confusion specifically around olive oil. Uh, olive oil starts to denature actually at 320 degrees. So if you think about most sauteing or oven baking, 
there is a really good chance that you are cooking above 350 degrees Fahrenheit. So this means that olive oil actually isn't the best oil to be cooking with. I like to use olive oil instead as a dressing and then stick with avocado oil, butter, ghee, and coconut oil as the ones I cook with. And I think the big takeaway is to really recognize how many foods in your cupboard, in your pantry, in your fridge have these lousy processed oils in them. And they can include anything from like salad dressing, tomato sauces, almost anything packaged or in the freezer from peanut butter cookies to trail mix. So I want you to start flipping over labels this week and start looking for that list of oils that I talked about. Specifically, you're looking for vegetable oil, canola oil, soybean, sunflower, safflower, trans fats. That's what you're looking for on these labels. And you're going to want to seek, seek out alternative options that don't include these. So what is an easy change that you can do right now to help reduce inflammation? Stop cooking with that list of oils that I just gave you that are highly processed and instead avocado oil, butter, ghee, or coconut oil for cooking. The last and final thing that is causing inflammation in our bodies that is leading to brain fog when it comes to the food we eat is foods that we are either sensitive to or intolerant to. This is when you are eating food that your body doesn't love despite everyone or all our resources telling us that these are healthy foods. If we remember back to what I said in the beginning of this podcast is broccoli and quinoa upset my stomach. So I need to take ownership of the way I eat and the way I feel and understand that if foods are giving me side effects that I don't want, it's a really good indicator that they aren't doing well on the inside of my body either. So really good examples of foods that people are often sensitive to or intolerant of are things like gliadin, that's a protein found in wheat, gluten, and nightshade vegetables, sugar, eggs, soda, a lot of these things can cause reactions. So what we need to understand first is not everyone is gluten intolerant. It is kind of the hot button right now where everyone is cutting it out, but some people are, and we need to be testing for exactly what is causing the problem in our body because everyone is different. Like I have one client who had a food sensitivity panel done and it came back that she was sensitive to spinach and spinach is another one of those things that we assume are going to be good for us. So we need to make sure that we're going to be following, uh, just the general procedure that I outlined here to really look at what foods are working for us. So to give you a little bit of background about what happens when you eat a food that your body doesn't agree with, when it reaches your intestine, this food, after you eat it, if you are sensitive to it at all or intolerant, it actually causes inflammation to the lining of your digestive system and it then causes an immune response. So if you picture your intestines, they are exceptionally long. They have a very large surface area. So the inside of your digestive tract, when you're talking about your large intestine and your small intestine, they aren't smooth. They are actually covered in bazillions of these little projections that kind of look like fingers and they're called villi and the purpose of those is to help increase the surface area so that you can absorb more in the given area that you're given for your intestines. So what happens is when a food that you're intolerant or, in, or sensitive to enters your digestive system and you are sensitive to it, it causes inflammation in those little finger-like projections called villi. So 12 to 15 hours after you finish eating the offending food, your gut begins to heal. 
Now that's assuming you don't eat that food again, otherwise it happens all over again. So if you are one of those people that bloat after you eat pasta, whether that be the gliadin or the gluten in the pasta, and then you go and eat bread the next morning, your gut is never getting the chance to heal. And here is why that is a problem. So like I said, when you eat an offending food, it damages the lining of your intestine and it lets in food particles, bacteria, it lets across into our body particles that aren't supposed to be there. So I want you to picture a pair of nylons and the, the, the weave of them is very fine. That's what we want our gut to be like. It's not going to let through big hunky things. It's only going to let through the stuff that's supposed to get through there. But when our gut becomes damaged because of frequent, um, inflammation and eating foods that are causing disruption to our digestive tract, those nice fine pantyhose end up looking like fishnets and they have giant holes between the gap junctions between the cells. So if you think about the cells normally being tight together, they start to get looser and food particles and bacteria are sneaking through into your bloodstream. And like I said, this can lead to inflammation and causes a whole host of other issues. So problem number one is when we eat the offending food, it damages our lining, but that actually leads to problem number two. When the lining of our digestive system is damaged, we end up having so much inflammation that we have problems absorbing the nutrients we need to have our body function properly. And all of this leads to just general poor health brain fog, inflammation, lack of energy, a lot of just what we experience as our everyday life, but we don't know that it's not normal. We need to be able to absorb all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients from what we eat in order to support our body properly. And if we're constantly experiencing inflammation and we're never letting our body heal, then we're likely going to be deficient in more than one of the main nutrients or vitamins that we need. So how can you take action on this? The best question to ask yourself is, how does my body feel after each meal? The goal should be light, energetic, and satisfied. That is how you want to be feeling after you eat each meal. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to list a whole bunch of symptoms that can be associated with a food that caused a reaction or inflammation in your digestive tract. So if you eat a meal, I want you to watch for these symptoms within three hours after eating that meal. These are symptoms that may indicate that inflammation is occurring. So you're going to look for joint pain, gas, bloating, diarrhea, constipation, reflux, headaches, anxiety, boggy thinking, runny nose, stomach ache, nausea, lethargy, quickly getting hungry after a meal, energy crashes, feeling jittery, and just feeling flat out tired. So we want to be recording any unwanted post-meal symptoms every day so that we can start to notice and keep track of the patterns that we're starting to see. This is the exact process that I went through to help me figure out that quinoa was causing bloating and stomach pain and then that was not normal despite that food being a healthy food. So I hope that has been helpful in helping you identify why you feel heavy or bloated after a meal or why you crash so hard after lunch and have trouble picking your energy up again. These things are all creating inflammation in our body and our job is to 
show up and serve our clients and be the best CEOs and entrepreneurs that we can. And that means taking control of brain fog and minimizing inflammation. So the three things we want to manage are our glycemic variability. We want to eliminate processed and rancid oils. And we want to be on the alert for foods that our body is not loving, foods we are sensitive to and foods that our body is just intolerant of. Before we wrap up here, I wanted to share with you a free playbook that I created called 12 Ways to Biohack Your Energy. It's all about creating highly focused morning and productive days in your business. It's 12 of my top biohacks that I not only use with myself, but with my clients to help you get out of bed with full energy and get the stuff done that matters on your to-do list. Every single strategy I'm going to share is going to help you eliminate brain fog. You know, the brain fog that's causing you to crash and reach for like five extra cups of coffee during the day and then crash on the couch later in the evening. This is the guide that you're going to want to download to help you eliminating that because as we know, biohacking is the best strategy to be a highly productive CEO and get more done in a day than some people do in an entire week. It's free. It's for entrepreneurs. It's a biohacking playbook and you can get that at tanessashears.com slash playbook. I will leave a link to that in the description Grab your copy so you can start implementing things from a whole range of topics from standing desks to movement during the day to your food to your sleep. This is one you don't want to miss. So I have loved having you here. Again, I always appreciate you taking time to listen. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you do not miss an episode. And if you really love it, I would love for you to take a photo of you listening or screenshot and tag me on Instagram at Tanessa Shears. I'd love to see where you are listening to your podcast. Are you on a walk or are you driving in the car or are you doing the dishes? Tag me in your photos and let me know you're listening in. I would love it. So until next week, have a beautiful week and I will talk to you next time. Bye. Ready to begin each day feeling energized and focused? I'd love to work with you one-on-one. In my Becoming Limitless program, you're going to learn how to optimize your brain and body with science and biohacking so you can be highly productive and grow your business faster. Join me over at tanessashears.com slash work with me. I'll see you there.